You're listening to A Little Bit Better, a podcast where we talk about how breaking goals into small steps can lead to big results. Here we'll examine the cause and effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions, and how they influence how we live our lives. I'm your host, Chris Swale, a life and health coach. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to A Little Bit Better, the podcast. I'm your confidence coach and host, Chris Swale. Today, we're going to talk about doing, about taking action in your life. Doing or taking intentional actions towards goals, big or small, can be so hard that it's debilitating and keeps us stuck in behavior patterns that hold us back from going after or achieving our goals. This doesn't just apply to big, juicy goals either. It can apply to goals that feel less noteworthy or that we perhaps qualify as insignificant in the realm of goals. But those little things we'd like to do, be, or achieve, however small, are just as important, perhaps more so than the big ones, because they often are the support systems or pillars or inspiration that allow us to then go and get those bigger dreams and goals. We tend to reprimand ourselves when there's something seemingly small that we want to do and think we should be able to do, but we just don't. Somehow we just can't or are not doing it. It's easy to think, I should just be able to do this. Why can't I do this? But that thinking piles on negative thoughts about ourselves, about what that not doing means. We might think it means we're lazy, we're not motivated enough that we don't care like others do, or that we're incapable. But that thinking doesn't help motivate us to change. It doesn't help us to start doing. It's the reverse. It's self-defeating. If you're not doing something you want to do, there's a reason. Sometimes we just need that little kick, and it could be hearing somebody like me talk about it that gives you the confidence and motivation to start taking action. Or it could be a conversation with a friend or even something you just hear in passing. Sometimes there's little triggers like that. But other times, you do need to purposely implement tools and tricks to support yourself in a different way. It might be facing stuff that's going on inside you. Maybe you need support from other people. It really is hard to achieve goals alone. Whether other people have to actually do anything tangible or not, it's just knowing there are people in your court can be that make or break factor when it comes to achieving your goals. Maybe you need a plan, a very specific plan that outlines how to get to your goals. A plan can also create logic from chaos. So you might know what you need to do and you might know most of the pieces, the parts, the things you need to do, but you don't have them ordered properly and so it feels like a swirling mass of overwhelm. Maybe there are steps or pieces of your goal that you don't know what to do or how to do them. And so that can stop you from progressing. Or perhaps you just need a really clear tracking system. Perhaps it's a combo of any of those factors. Last episode, we explored doing an intentional fall reset. Fall, simply because it is fall at the time of recording. But of course, you can pause, evaluate, and reset at any time. 
The reset is about taking a look at where you are in all areas of your life and evaluating if these areas are in good shape, if they feel good and appropriate for you, and if there are places that could use a little work that you think you would like to improve upon. Resetting is coming clean with yourself, taking an inventory of feelings, circumstances, behaviors, actions, and inactions, and deciding if you are where you want to be, and if you aren't, looking at what you can do to change that. It's about determining if there are things you may need to let go of, and becoming intentional about planning and then doing your plan. But doing, right? Doing can be so hard. Even when it's very clear to us exactly what we need to do to achieve our goals, that clarity, that knowledge does not mean action. So let's dive further into that. Why is it so hard to make the changes we ourselves really want to make? What gives? Well, lots of things. When you take action, you are exercising ownership and control in your life. As awesome as that sounds, It's not free of layers and obstacles. Obstacles can be physical, but most often are emotional or mental. Taking action can be scary. It's full of emotions, good and bad, a slew of fears and facing or willing to step into the unknown. That's quite a lot for our primitive brains to handle. It's a lot to ask or expect, especially when you consider what that part of our brain is designed to do. You may already be familiar with the function of the primitive brain, but let's do a quick refresher. My first episodes speak to it quite a bit if you want to learn more. The primitive part of our brain's job is to keep us safe. It is wired to help us behave in familiar ways that satisfies that role. Engaging in behavior out of the ordinary or taking risks puts the primitive brain on high alert because Because it signals that the person it's supposed to protect might be about to do something that could threaten their survival. The primitive brain can't tell the difference between real physical danger and imagined or emotional dangers, such as nerves about public speaking. Its self-preservation rule means that it is wired to encourage us to stick with what we know. So when we want to do something that requires new routines, habits, or any types of changes, it means we have to adopt or learn new behaviors and beliefs. And that is hard for the primitive brain. A great approach is recognizing those fears and obstacles. Part of the Fall Reset episode speaks to this as well. Planning both the steps needed to obtain your goals and planning for possible roadblocks before taking any action allows you to create a strategy to help coax your primitive brain to stop its rapid-firing resistance. Even though a desired change might be healthier for us, our primitive brain doesn't understand it on that level if it requires change. And so it wants to stop it. It wants to resist those changes. But we can learn to hear and acknowledge that resistance and then work through it, work with it, because we create small action steps instead of large leaps, which scares it more. Accounting for setbacks and ideally having installed outside support from other people also bolsters this nurturing and the support to get our primitive brain through changes. 
Having a system or blueprint set up in advance helps reduce some of those icky, scary feelings by reducing the unknowns that the primitive brain doesn't like. Change feels uncertain and feels dangerous and contrary to its job of keeping us safe. Our higher brain or frontal lobes are connected with areas such as emotion, regulation, problem solving, conceptualization, motivation, initiation, language, social behaviors, among other things. It can ascertain behaviors that aren't healthy and that are even hurtful and formulate the desire to adjust those for ourselves. Unfortunately, factors such as past experiences, self-esteem, demographics, support or lack thereof, and even the nature of our relationships with other people can trigger further a standoff between our brain segments. The frontal segments can understand and visualize the better state that we want, but the primitive part understands what keeps us safe in the moment. Thus, the desire for change, but not taking action towards that change and subsequently feeling stuck cycle initiates. So knowing how different parts of the brain work and then specifically tuning into your unique intricacies and behavioral tendencies, your strengths and weaknesses can be an amazing tool to combat the stuck cycle. Thinking about potential obstacles and roadblocks, acknowledging and accepting their presence allows you clarity to strategize on how to be flexible if they slow you down and to stop them from completely halting your progress towards your dreams and goals. Whether it's general maturity from having decades of messy, confusing, and difficult life experiences, as we all do, or from walking the journey of motherhood, from losing a parent, from living with ADHD, from anxiety and chronic pain challenges, or living and parenting through a world pandemic, at some point, I have had the perspicacity to realize that I've shifted from thinking or the thinking pattern of if or can I to asking and determining will I. More often than not, I'm looking at things with a will I do this, will I do that, not can I do those things wrapped in a fog of doubt. Doing, even the smallest steps of doing, first takes owning that Taking action, however difficult, is your choice. Yes, there are circumstances that can make doing challenging. Doubts will surface, and sometimes, maybe even lots of times, the results are failure. But doing doesn't need to be tied to success or whatever definition of success you have in that moment. Doing is taking the actions towards what you want or need to do regardless of outcome. The alternative is not doing, which can eat away at your soul, at your confidence. It sounds contrary, right? I hear you. Chris, if I do something and fail, or don't do something so I don't fail, the result is the same, and I still have my pride, which is confidence, isn't it? No, not exactly. There isn't much pride and confidence to be built or found in not doing or going after the things you really want to do and love in life. That type of inaction, especially if it compiles and feels heavier and heavier, whittles away confidence. It builds doubts about your abilities and your worth. It can create anxiety and regret. 
Doing and failing might mean a little tail between your legs here and there, but it might not, and it might simply inspire you to try again, to problem solve, to take more action because you just discovered the worst that could happen was failing, and often it's not that bad. Knowing exactly what it is you desire, whether it's something material, tangible, even a feeling such as wanting to feel less busy or more in control of your time, or less stressed or less angry, less anxious, less afraid, more confident, more self-assured, happier. Know what it is that you want and then ask, will I take actions towards that? Will I step up, step in to who I want to be? Know and own that you have that choice. In a way, I haven't really believed I couldn't do things. At least when I was young, I had that fresh-faced optimism about life. But even when that phase faded, I think deep down, I always still felt I could do things. I know this because the desires to chase my dreams, they're always there stirring. So there's got to be something to that. There's life in my dreams. But the life we live gets harder and heavier and more complicated and layered. And so, like many other people, I allowed those negative self-talk doubts, feelings, sentiments, and moments of not being worthy or not feeling worthy or whatever enough to detour or stop me. I allowed all of that to take center stage instead of my goals. Big ones for me have been, I'm not smart enough, people don't really like me, I'm not worthy, I'm definitely paraphrasing that last one. Not being worthy can sound 1,000 different ways. Perhaps one of the most prominent ways it shows up is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is an onion of self-discovery, that's for sure. Deep down, I have had dreams and dream goals. Dreams that really felt more achievable, but I still didn't pursue. Whether intentionally at a conscious level of inaction, of purposely not doing, or unconsciously through self-sabotage, which happens and we will address in future episodes. To super summarize, self-sabotage is when we get in our own way. It can show up in many different ways, but there's also lots of ways we can overcome self-sabotage. Revitalizing goals and confidence is thrilling yet scary. It's inspiring yet challenging. I began my betterment journey sorting out what was holding me back and why I wasn't feeling very happy or fulfilled. I realized I had lost my confidence and optimism in life. My clients often discover a similar theme after a little bit of exploration, even when they come to me with something seemingly unrelated. It's a sneaky one because we don't often think initially that confidence is one of our problems or something that we lack, but it might be missing in just one or two areas of your life and all the areas of our life make up the whole. And so it is impactful. Good news though, you can build your confidence little by little starting today. Speaking of timing, let's talk about that for a minute. Have you ever said to yourself about something you'd like to do, I will do it later, I will do it when dot dot dot. This is so common, particularly with mothers. Once the kids are in school or once they've moved away, then I'll pursue my goals. But it's also really common anywhere along your journey of life with people building careers or anyone who is, quote unquote, too busy doing X now to do Y. There is such a prevalent mindset of only doing Y, the dream, 
once x is first achieved. If x and y are related, doing them sequentially can make sense. But when they are not related, it means that one is standing in the way of the other. And why not do both? Why not be both? We've talked about this in past episodes. An example would be if you're a working mom. A lot of women struggle with that and truly believing that they can be an excellent mom and excellent at what they do in a career capacity. If there's something that you're not doing or that you're putting off for later, but you know it's sitting there in your heart and it's something that you truly want to do, why not at least look at ways to take action, however small? We don't know what tomorrow holds. A world pandemic is a great example of that. So starting today can help reduce the stress, the anxiety, and the panic of perpetually not doing and feeling that life is slipping you by. I'm guilty of all that. My personal life coaching journey began because I wanted change. I craved it and it finally became time. That morphed into me becoming a life coach and starting this podcast, which fulfills one of my dreams of helping other people. None of this happened overnight, but was the result of a series of small steps. One decision after another. One decision to do something and then another. And actually, it started with me listening to one podcast and then another and then another. And then I tried one exercise from the podcast and then I bought a book. And as I saw these positive results in my life, I made the decision to become certified as a coach. And I got through one module after another, just one at a time. The thought of actually doing this was really terrifying to me, but I didn't have to do it right away. I was working towards it. So in that manner, I was able to continue taking small steps to get where I am now. I was overwhelmed, but it was coming along for the ride. It was acknowledged, it was there, but it didn't get in my way. I have more things I want to do. I won't lie, the pandemic detoured me somewhat, but here I am back again and I am taking the next steps I need to achieve my next goals. One action at a time, which will lead to one more and one more and so on. This is what my podcast and my coaching style is about. We look at the big goals and the small ones and we really, really chunk them down into small actionable steps. We also look at what's going on inside and acknowledge our desires, fears, weaknesses, strengths. No massive leaps if possible, but instead small, maybe even tiny, but very intentional incremental steps. Trying to make life changes in large steps without a solid supportive plan tends to result in immense overwhelm that quickly halts or entirely blocks our progress before it begins. Or after some progress that often relies heavily on willpower leads to throwing in the towel and reverting back to the same old. Years can go by and you can find yourself in the exact same place. When you take small steps, you work very steadily towards where you want to be. In the long run, you will find greater success because you will actually be moving towards your goals, even if it feels slow. But one of the cool parts about that is Little steps create momentum, and so you may find that you actually land at your goal sooner than you thought. Let's circle back to something we talked about earlier. What does even just a little movement forward do? It hones in on building confidence, 
building feelings of worth, of feeling capable, and feeling purposeful. So many positives that come out of just doing one small action. So today's exercise, write out one, just one action that you can take today and do it. You might be inspired to do more, but one is enough for right now. Sign up for that course. Drop the course. Call or email someone. Put on your gym clothes. March for two minutes to get your heart rate up. Maybe it'll be three minutes tomorrow. Do one tiny thing that feels good because it will feel good. When you are in a phase of not doing, and we all get there sometimes, take little, little steps, my friend. Even shuffle your feet if you need to. If you're moving forward, you'll start to believe in yourself and your goals, and you'll program your brain to take supportive behaviors and actions to help you achieve those goals. Well, that sounds quite a little bit better. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Little Bit Better. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this podcast. Subscribe to A Little Bit Better so you never miss an episode. Share it with friends and family. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at This Is A Little Bit Better or find me online at a littlebitbetter.ca. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like information about coaching with me, please reach out. I am Chris Swale. I'm excited to connect again soon. So until next time, have fun being a little bit better.